Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Niners host Tom Brady for the first time since 2016, pre-Kyle Shanahan, pre-John Lynch, and pre-Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, this game will be post-Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of, with Brock Purdy leading the way for San Francisco, but... The Niners do or are looking for their sixth consecutive victory, third consecutive win at home, and are trying to advance to 9-4 and four on the season to hold off the pesky and annoying Pete Carroll-led Seattle Seahawks. But also, the Buccaneers are, in, or are the fourth seed in the NFC Conference. They're also trying to hold off Tom Brady and the Bucs to not jump them for the number three seed. Now they're a few games behind, but... Again, you never know. But in this game on Sunday, this is a homecoming for Tom Brady. His first game in the Bay Area, outside of Oakland, <laughs> since 2016. And he's won in the Levi Stadium in his career. And when I think of Tom Brady and the Niners, I think of him being in the stands for the catch. And more recently, I think of all the rumors that connected him and Kyle Shanahan and him being in the red and gold, whether it was in 2019, post-Super Bowl loss, or it was 2021, post-Gropolo being hurt for almost the entirety of the year. Tom Brady has always been, or at least in the last four years, been connected to the San Francisco 49ers. But the question on Sunday isn't going to be, is he going to be the quarterback next year or whenever? It's going to be, how do you stop the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it might surprise you. It might surprise you. We'll go through three things here that I think the Niners are going to have to do defensively to stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the first one is you have to get to Tom Brady. Like any quarterback, you have to, or any game against any opponent, you have to control the line of scrimmage. Now, that's going to be a lot harder for you offensively, but defensively, the Buccaneers offensive line's banged up. Christian Wirth out for the or you know out for an elongated period of time. Uh, their center Ryan Jensen done for the season, and uh, Marpet, who retired earlier in the year, was one of their guards. Three All Pros from their Super Bowl winning roster, no longer on the team. So three All Pro offensive linemen gone. But surprisingly, that actually hasn't stopped the Bucks from being a relatively okay offensive line when it comes to allowing pressures and sacks. Now, I have some conflicting stats that'll maybe uh, keep you leery, but also to give you some positive thoughts going in against this Buccaneers offensive line. So the first one is 
that they're allowing a pressure on 19% of their snaps. That is the lowest in football. So they aren't allowing pressure to Tom Brady. That's surprising. But against the Saints last week, who I think we can agree, uh, San Francisco has a similar defense, but better. <laughs> but a lot better defense than the Saints. They got 17 pressures against the Buccaneers last week. And you add in that their backup right tackle, Josh Wells, gave up six alone by himself. Hey, um, someone call Nick Bosa and say, hey, we know who you're lining up against on Sunday. It's Josh Wells, the right tackle. And let, I'll throw it out there, whether it's Drake Jackson or Ebukam or Nick Bosa or Eric Armstead, who's now back after some limited reps against the Dolphins, there is a good chance that San Francisco does have the ability or will on Sunday be able to get pressured to Tom Brady. So if they can pressure Tom Brady, what's the next step progressively? Well, now you have to sack Tom Brady. Just like Mahomes and any elite quarterback you play, you have to sack the quarterback. It's not enough to, just to get there. You have to complete your job. Now, the beautiful thing about this is Tom Brady is as immobile as the Statue of Liberty. He just stands there. He can't run. What he relies on is what Jimmy Garoppolo relies on, albeit Garoppolo is more mobile than Tom Brady, surprisingly, is that he relies on getting the ball out quick. But right now, Tampa Bay is allowing the lowest sack rate in the NFL. Now, thankfully, and I will give you some more stats to prove why I believe this, I do think San Francisco is going to be able to at least get three sacks in this game. The, the reason why I think that is because right now San Francisco has the sixth most sacks in football at 36. They also are averaging three sacks per game. This team has 39 straight games with one sack. And Nick Bosa right now, you know if Nick Bosa gets one more sack, he's already matched his career high at 15 and a half. He's 14 and a half sacks this year. Do you not think an offensive line that doesn't have three all pros and their backup right tackle is a freaking liability, do you not think that that's going to have Nick Bosa licking his chops? And yes, he got three last week against the Dolphins. They had backup tackles as well. And I can argue their tackles are better than the Buccaneers' backup tackles. So, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, how does that not favor San Francisco, at least when it comes to defensively? And I do think, despite Tom Brady being able to, like, look, Tom Brady is the GOAT. We know this. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. He is above Joe Montana, and I love Montana. We all do, Niner fans, you know, whatever. But Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, better than Brady, uh, or excuse me, better than Manning. He is Tom Brady. Better than Manning, better than Breeze, better than Rodgers, Favre, Montana, everybody else. Greatest quarterback of all time. And what is he best at? Getting the ball out quickly. There are going to be times where they almost get to Tom Brady. But in this game, to win this game, while I do think they have the advantage in many other ways than just you know, getting to the quarterback, I do think that they're going to have ample opportunity to sack Tom Brady. They just have to get there. And all of the stats, the way the, the week is going via the injury report, again, no worse. No, Jensen, who they haven't had all year. This game 
when I see the Niners, I go, Bosa's healthy, Armstead's healthy, Ebukam's healthy, and you're likely going to see more of Armstead this week because he got limited reps last week. They're healthy. They're healthy for the first time in forever, and I can argue they're even more healthy than they were against the Dolphins last week. And so you're going to get more Armstead. That opens more doors for Bosa. Even Nick Bosa said on his second sack, it was all Eric Armstead. Like, that's the difference maker here is that you have the arguably, if not the top one, the most ferocious defensive line in football that they're like four deep. Four deep. And I do think because of that, they can get to Brady. But also my next thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to make the Buccaneers one-dimensional. Now, the Buccaneers are already kind of that. <laughs> like, they are awful at running the football. They average 3.3 yards per carry. That is the worst in the NFL. And, oh, to match that, San Francisco is allowing or they're holding their opponents to a league best huh, 3.3 yards per carry. Interesting. <laughs> Look at that. But I do think that this is a game where San Francisco is going to, outside of the Buccaneers already being so, they are going to make Tampa Bay be even more one-dimensional. Whether it's Fournette or Rashad White, who's playing pretty well recently, this is a game where I do think it's going to be very hard for whether it's, again, Fournette or White. They are not going to be able to establish the run in this game. So you've we've proven that you can get the Tom Brady or you can at least pressure him plenty of times. You can also make the Buccaneers one-dimensional. So now the question is, okay, you've done that stuff. How do you beat Tom Brady? And I don't think it's, or how do you beat the Bucs? I don't think it's the one thing, if you would have told me coming into this game, how do you beat them, I would say, yeah, that makes sense. Um, You're going to have to force Tom Brady to beat you. Now, hold on, hold on, <laughs> give me a second here. Anytime you ask Tom or anytime you are telling Tom Brady, hey, you're the one that has to beat us, it's likely not the best idea. <laughs> like how many times, even last week against the Saints, they beat the Saints despite getting 17 pressures against them because they scored what was it, like 14 points or 13 points in like five minutes or whatever it was. The last minute heroics, Tom Brady being Tom Brady. We've seen it. Far too many times to say, well, you can put the ball in that guy's hands and he's not going to beat you, right? And so, despite all that stuff, <laughs> you're going to have to make or force Tom Brady to be the one that beats you. But I do think there is, like, look, this ain't Tom Brady circa 09. This ain't Tom Brady with Randy Moss and Welker. Well, he has weapons. I get that. This ain't the Tom Brady we've seen in the past. Now, it's not all his fault. They're like my mind goes to the, the Panthers game, where they've had that deep pass in the first half, and Mike Evans just drops it. But that's kind of been like that is their season summed up, where every time they have, or many times when they have an opportunity to put up big points or make a big play, it's either dropped, falls incomplete, something goes wrong for the Buccaneers. And when you're not healthy, on both sides of the ball. When your receivers are inconsistent, despite being some of the best the past decade, 
and your quarterback is 40-plus years old going through a divorce. Now, does that matter much? I don't know. But there's just been some times this year where they look checked out, where they look like they're a team that says, we're tired, we're exhausted, and I do think that we are seeing that in the way Tom Brady's playing. Now, I'm not saying Tom Brady's playing tired. I'm not saying that he's not in the game mentally, although at times it looks like that. But in his last four games, Tom Brady's averaging 46 attempts. Again, the Bucs cannot run the football, especially against the number one rush defense in the NFL. 46 attempts. He's averaging only 266 yards per game, just under two touchdowns at 1.8, and averaging half an interception. But there's more to that than just some meaningless stats of, well, it's Tom Brady. This Sunday he can go off against us, which he can. That's possible. <laughs> He's also only averaging five yards per attempt. Like, they are dinking and dunking through the through the air. Like, Tom Brady is... Middle of the field guy, dink and dunk five yards, dink and dunk five yards. Their offense cannot move the football or recently has not been able to push the ball vertically down the field despite having guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like they just cut a fourth round pick Galen Darden because he didn't fit the system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Like this team is somehow winning games, but they don't have an identity offensively. Like, they would like to run the football. They can't. They would like to pass vertically. They can't. So it's resulted in them having to be a five-yard dink and dunk team. Like, Tom Brady still has an arm. He's still accurate, and he can push the ball. But the receivers are dropping passes, aren't getting open, and there's just no consistency in the offense. They're trying to find themselves still. And against a team like San Francisco's defense... You don't want to be trying to find yourself. This ain't the game where you go, yep, we finally got ourselves you know, under control and we now know our identity. Now, you can argue their identity is Tom Brady, but even that has been unsuccessful for a large portion of the season. They should not have won last week. Look at their schedule. Bring it up right here. They beat the Browns pre-Deshaun Watson. Now, that might be a worse team now, but... They beat them, or they lost to them by six. They barely beat the Seahawks by five points in Germany. They beat the Rams by three points. In their last four games, their highest score is 21. In the defenses they've played are the Rams, the Seahawks, who are okay, the Browns, who are god-awful, and the Saints. Like, they're not playing anybody. They lost to the Ravens by 5, the Panthers by 18, the, the Steelers by 2. Like, come on. The best offense they've played all year was the Chiefs, who put up 41 points. 41. Now, look, 
my point means is they've been playing bad offenses. Rams, Ravens have been inconsistent for a long time this year. The Panthers, the Seahawks, who actually aren't that bad, but Kenneth Walker had like 16 yards in that game. Like, like come on. <laughs> like, like they held, and it's kudos to the defense who we'll get into, but they held the Seahawks to, hey, hey, Geno Smith beat us, and he couldn't do it. And the Browns game, I mean, Nick Chubb went off, and that was it. Like, when you're when you're averaging, what is that, 16, 21, 17, you're basically averaging 18 points, 17 points a game in the last four weeks. Like, that's not good enough to beat this defense. And when you're asking me, okay, well, Sterling, yes, it's but it's Tom Brady. Like, he's the GOAT, and I get that. And they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin who can have big games. Sure they can. But the issue is their big game is going to happen over the field. And let me ask you, and it was the same thing with the Dolphins. Where do the Niners succeed the most? Oh, wait, uh, since drafting Fred Warner... Uh oh! Over the middle of the field, like come on. At least defensively, San Francisco has the edge over their offense by far. And if you want to say again, what about Chris Godwin? What about Mike Evans? My retort would be, okay, look, they are bigger body receivers that are constantly injured. They're good receivers, but the way San Francisco's defense is playing. And I, and I will give you this. They have at times this year, especially guys who have like Cooper Cup, who is over-targeted by the Rams, Tyreek Hill, who has electric speed. Like, they're not giving up 100-yard games to guys who are scrubs or giving up 100-yard games to big-body receivers. It's Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, you know... Juju Smith-Schuster on the Chiefs who throw it like 75 times a game. <laughs> and I think we can all agree that game was an outlier. And this defense has gotten better since then. But, so, let's say you have big body guys. Well, Mooney Ward's probably going to be able, be able to defend himself against these guys, but my, my question mark becomes Demo Lenore. And the reason why I say that is he's physical, but he's small. But then I look at the stats and I go, well, I mean, since week six, Lenore's allowed 28 yards per game, no touchdowns, and a 63 passer rating. That's ahead of Jair Alexander in Green Bay, Jalen Ramsey, and Xavier Howard, who at one point, or if still now, are considered top five, top ten cornerbacks in football. Like, Lenore's been playing... Lock freaking down. Lock down. <laughs> right? And you give him Jimmy Ward in the nickel and, and Mooney Ward outside and Hufunga and Gibson and even Hufunga, who against the Dolphins, I said, you know, he cost us big time on two plays. Right? He over-pursued on that first play of the game. So did Gibson. Then he blew coverage against Tyreek Hill late in the game. Gave them a fighting chance until, you know, Nick Bosa decided to go, hey, I'll, I'll play football again. Right? But I just think Hufunga is so physical. No one's going to be running by them. Like, like the Dolphins, despite heavily, and I mean the most in football, playing over the middle of the field, they at least like to get vertical with it, right? 
They have the players like Waddle and Hill that like they have speed to get behind the safety. The Buccaneers don't. And I like Godwin. And, I, and Evans is great. But they do not possess the speed to get behind a Hufunga or Gibson, who aren't even the fastest guys. And if everything is going to be in front of you, everything is going to be, you know, over the middle of the field, I just don't see a hampered, injured, one-dimensional Buccaneers offense being able to pass the ball 46 times against this defense and being successful, you know, 50% of the time. Like, this is going to be a game where Tom Brady has, like, 230 yards, maybe one touchdown, and, like, a pick. Like, that's what this game feels like. You know, 230, a tutty, and a pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if he sacked three, four times. Because they have not faced a defense like this. Again, Rams, Seahawks, Buccaneers, or Browns, excuse me, Saints, Ravens, Panthers, Steelers, Falcons, Chiefs. Like, they have not played a defense like this. And the one time they had or have all year was the Cowboys in week one when they scored 19 points. This offense is not going to put up big money against Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw playing the best football of their entire lives. They're not going to play or they're not going to be able to hold this defense who is finally getting takeaways. They have what? They had four takeaways last week. With three picks and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. They had one against the Cardinals. They had one against the Chargers. Like, this Niners defense is riding so high. When they look down, they don't even see the Buccaneers offense. It's like, who the heck is that? Oh, they're, oh, you know, we can't really see it from up here, guys. What is that? I don't know. It's like an ugly, old, decrepit quarterback that he's trying to wave and point to his fingers and he's yelling at somebody. And, you know, we don't know. He's pointing at, you know, you know seven shiny things on his hands. We can't see it. We're so high in the air. Because unfortunately, while you are the GOAT, Tom Brady, what you're doing this year this year doesn't exemplify that. Now, there's adversity. I get that. There's some personal life struggles. But against this Niners defense, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. But that's where things get sticky for San Francisco because this game isn't just played on defense. This game is played offensively. And Kyle Shanahan is 9-29 without Jimmy Garoppolo as his starting quarterback. And I'm not sure if that factors in him taking over for Trey Lance in Week 2. But if that's the case, you may want to put 8 for 29. Even then, it's awful. We, we have not really seen Kyle Shanahan succeed with any other quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And some more stats to kind of maybe make you worried, is that quarterbacks making their first NFL start against the top 10 defense like the Buccaneers are 16-55 and 55 from 2001 to 2021. I mean, come on. Like, that does not give me hope that Brock Purdy is going to lead this team to victory. Now, again, this game could be first team to 16 points wins. <laughs> so so it's not like it's, you know, a do or die, you got to have 45 points. But the Buccaneers' defense is good. They're real good. 
And that's where I think they do have the equalizing factor, or at least maybe not equal, but close. Like this, this is a good defense. Like I have to give them credit. They're now fifth in the NFL in the fewest points allowed. And it's, get this, it's the fewest points allowed by a Bucks defense through 12 games since 2008. And again, open your ears one, one last time for me. They've allowed 51 points fewer than last year at this time. And this is the kicker, 61 points fewer than their Super Bowl season. This Buccaneers defense is playing better than their Super Bowl year. Now, that could be opponents. There are so many factors that go into that. But the difference is, in that year, this team was putting up 31 points a game, right? Their offense cannot score, but their defense is doing their part to limit offenses. And going back to their schedule, okay, yeah, they're the most points they gave up all year was to the Chiefs and the Ravens. Other than that, I see a 16, a 23, a 16, a 13, a 27, a 21, a 20. Like, this game might be the first team to 20. Because this Bucks defense is so freaking good. And, look, uh, I'm not sure if you watched the game tonight between the Rams and Baker Mayfield... <laughs> <laughs> beating the Raiders, which makes so much sense. They lost to Jeff Saturday and Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, I don't know how Raider fans do it. <laughs> don't, don't understand. But anyways, this Buccaneers defense, like Eli Manning said, they love to blitz. They do a lot of exotic blitzes, whether it's corner or safety or outside or like linebackers. Like They love to blitz. Todd Bowles is an, an attacking, defensive-minded head coach. And they play zone. That right there, for a young quarterback like Brock Purdy, despite the experience, might cause problems. You give him pressure on his face, and look, I'll give him plenty of credit. The Dolphins, when he first came into that game, uh, McDaniel said, blitz him, blitz, 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 blitz. They felt like every single play, they were in his face. And Brock Purdy wasn't afraid. But also, the Dolphins' defense isn't the Bucks' defense. The Dolphins' defense was awful against the pass. And I mean awful against the pass. Like, disgustingly bad against the pass. 22nd football, I think. Now, the Bucks haven't been really any better, but the difference is they blitz more, they have veteran talent around them, unlike the Dolphins' defense, and... They are a little better. Like, I think they're like 17th since week 15, whatever it might be. Or, or, or week, week 5, excuse me, not 15. <laughs> but they love to blitz. They play zone. They're averaging 3.2 sacks a game. That ranks higher than San Francisco. This team loves to sack the quarterback. That ranks fourth in the NFL. And I do think this is the two areas that benefit San Francisco the most. I've talked about how good Buccaneers defense is and whatnot, whatever. But San Francisco is going, and this benefits Brock Purdy and the offense being to control the clock, not give Tom Brady the ball, despite him going to pass it 46 times. This benefits them in total. The Buccaneers rank 
15th in football, allowing 118 yards per game. 118. And and their last three games, despite the stats being near the top of the NFL, they're allowing 98 yards per game against the Saints, who we talked about do not run the football. The Browns, who do, and the Seahawks, who are having an off day. Like, in what world is Kenneth Walker having 15 rushing yards? That's not happening. And the Saints don't run the football. So those stats are misleading. And it was Seahawks in Germany. So I do think San Francisco with, again, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Jordan Mason, who looks like the second coming of Marshawn Lynch. I mean, my God. They're going to be able to establish the run. They're going to be able to, or at least have a good chance to establish the run. They're going to be able to play a very rookie-friendly style of football. There's not going to be pressure on Brock Purdy to carry the offense because they're going to be able to get Christian McCaffrey the ball, Debo the ball, Mason the ball. Now, is it going to be more outside zone stuff? Yeah, I I do not want to run into Vita Vea. <laughs> That's not a smart thing to do, but I do think that they can establish the outside. You're probably going to see George Kittle being the extra tackle a lot more. Like Brock Purdy was not throwing to George Kittle very often. In fact, out of Debo and McCaffrey and Ayuk and Kittle, he targeted Kittle 5% of the time. This is going to be a very Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel heavy offense the rest of the year. Like, and that's fine. Those are your stars, right? And we talked about how after last week's game going forward with Purdy, you are going to have to rely on your stars around you. And this is a game where it's going to be, you know, screens and quick outs, very similar to the Garoppolo offense. Kyle Shannon said himself, the transition is not going to be as drastic from Jimmy G to Purdy as it was to Jimmy G to Lance and vice versa. So I think we're going to see a similar offense, but it's going to be a lot more, you know, Debo and Christian McCaffrey heavy schemes. And the beautiful thing is San Francisco held the football for 40 minutes last week. 40 minutes. If you can keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands for half the time, and if you can establish the run in this game, which it seems like you're going to have a good chance of doing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That gives Purdy confidence. You can milk the clock, keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands, and despite Tom Brady not maybe being the Tom Brady that we've known in his prime, he's still Tom Brady, right? <laughs> the Saints saw that. He can score at ease, at will, whenever he wants to. Now, the issue is they don't score a lot when they want to, I guess, because they're averaging like 17 points a game. But this is a game where I do think San Francisco is going to be able to play their style of football. Now, it's not going to be as vertical, but let's be honest here, it, it already wasn't. Even with Garoppolo playing the best ball of his career, it wasn't that vertical. Now, 
there was open space and there was Yak. This is a game where, like, to me, I can see a game like the Rams games, where it's Debo screens, McCaffrey checkdowns, and you're just saying, okay, like, that's that's how we're going to win. Come tackle our guys. Oh, wait, you can't. Now, for Purdy, how do you beat a defense? Like, the, the one area where Purdy's going to have to come in clutch the most is third downs, but also the red zone. And that was an issue with Lance. It was an issue with Garoppolo earlier in the year. Got better later, but still an issue. The Buccaneers have the 22nd ranked red zones, red zone defense. Like, they are going to have... Like, they are not good. They're like 11th in football. <laughs> like, it's not... Or 11th worst in football. They're not good. And I do think that... Because I said this game may come down to who scores 21st, that may be seven field goals by Robbie Gold, right? You just have to get there. And I do think that that's where, again, having a scheme reliant on Debo and Christian McCaffrey comes into your favor. Like, these guys average like 10 yards per catch every single week, right? Like, we saw late in that game against the Dolphins, it was very Debo and McCaffrey-centric, and they were just fine. Like, people left that game, I think, unrealistically saying that he looked better than Jimmy. Like, that's that's how much he impressed other people. Like, we had Michael Irvin said that Brock Purdy reminded him of a more mobile Tom Brady. Like, what? What? By whatever, like that's his opinion. I love Michael Irvin, but I think that's a little crazy. But he looked, despite reliant on Debo and McCaffrey to do a lot of the work, to make much more of the plays than Jimmy, in my opinion. People left saying, "Wow, this kid's got something to him," and and I would agree. Right, I would agree that Brock Purdy has moxie. Brock Purdy is unafraid. Like, he's unafraid of the moment. Like, we heard Trent Williams say that during practice, Brock Purdy's yelling at Debo Samuel, like, hey, we got to tighten this stuff up. Get the F in the huddle and get, and like, let's get back to the drills. Like, he's a general that I do think, like, sometimes it takes, when you're a young person in life, you know this, I know this, it may not be your personality, but the like the one of the best things you can do when you're in a new situation sometimes is to assert yourself. And Brock Purdy has the weight of the world, or at least the weight of the the entire faithful fan base and an eight and four team on his shoulders, right? Like this team has and still has Super Bowl aspirations, and Brock Purdy is taking that head on, saying, "Okay, let's go, get in the car." Buckle your seatbelt. Let's try this thing out. Let's see if we can get there in this car. And they may. They may not. But I will give Brock Purdy credit. He is unafraid of the moment. He like Brock Purdy wants this. Like Brock Purdy of anybody wants this moment. And I do think that at least mentally, he is prepared. Physically, may not be. Because <laughs> it's funny, Kyle Shanahan asked Brock today, maybe it was yesterday. He was like, 
or or Brock asked him like, hey, like Kyle, like, what do you want me to do to prep for the game on Sunday? And Kyle was like, well, do whatever you normally do. And Brock was like, I don't normally do much. <laughs> I was a scout team quarterback last week. Uh, I don't watch half the film that Garoppolo would watch. Like, I, 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 like that's not my style. And and Shanahan was like, okay, <laughs> like, oh, oh boy, <laughs> like. I forgot you're a seventh-round pick rookie who was a four-year starter <laughs> at Iowa State. Now, to be fair, Purdy was scouted and given a scholarship by Alabama, and he said no. So it's not like the top schools didn't want Brock Purdy. And it's not like he wasn't once a former first-round pick mock-drafted talent in college football. He's a four-year starter. He knows how to win. He's been through adversities, but he's been hurt before. He's been through the ups and downs of football. That's a lot of rookies cannot say that. Like Mac Jones had been through really one good year. Trey Lance, one year and then didn't play in 2020 and has no experience now. It's not a knock. It's just the truth. Brock Purdy is more prepared for this moment right now than Trey Lance has been his past two years of football. Now, against the Texans... He won the game, right? He came up big when it mattered. That's good stuff. Like, I have no problem with that being a retort to my <laughs> what I said. But I do think Brock Purdy is mentally stable enough to where if something goes wrong or a big moment of, I have to go and play Tom Brady, who against rookie quarterbacks is 7-0 and in his career. Like, he ran through every single Jet rookie, ran through every single Buffalo Bills rookie. Like, Tom Brady ran through a division of rookies every single year. A conference of rookies every single year. Brock Purdy means nothing to Tom Brady. But, and <laughs> Tom Brady's been playing in the NFL longer than Brock Purdy's been alive. And despite all of that, I think Brock Purdy is prepared for this moment. He has moxie. He has, in a big moment, I do not worry mentally. Now, physically, decision-making, different question. He was a seventh-round pick for a reason. Maybe a fourth-round talent. Like Mentally, though, I am not worried about Brock Purdy. I'm not. Because he has Kyle Shanahan on, you know, behind him calling plays, that's hopefully going to put him in a good position, the best possible position, to be successful. And he has a team around him in Debo and Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk and Kittle, to where, like that is like he has like seven safe safety blankets <laughs> around him of guys who are going to come through for him. In a defense that is playing the best football of its life, or of the year thus far. Against an opponent that is one-dimensional, that despite their strengths being defensively, they can't put up 20 points in a game or haven't shown that consistently. So for Brock Purdy, it's just get his field goals. Now, please do more than that eventually, <laughs> but in this game, this may be a 17-13 to win. 17-10 victory for San Francisco. But they're going to have to attack Tom Brady and get sacks, make the Buccaneers more one-dimensional 
than they are. I want to see Tom Brady throwing 60 times in this game. That's what I want to see. I want to see a 40-plus-year-old man throw the ball 60-plus times. I guarantee you there will be turnovers. I guarantee you if that's the case, San Francisco will be dominating this game defensively. Like, Fournette's not going to run you over. White's not going to run you over. This is a game where, like, for a rookie quarterback coming in to play Tom Brady and this team, like, this is this is one of the best scenarios possible for him, being Brock Purdy. And whether you think he's better than Jimmy, better than Lance, I don't care. None of that matters. What matters is the task in front of you being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I do think this Niners team, even with the seventh round Mr. Irrelevant, is equipped to win this game and be 9-4 and four by the end of the fourth quarter. I do think San Francisco wins this game, and I'll even say it, I'll say they'll win 20-13. to 13. It'll be a touchdown difference. Buccaneers can't score. Brock Purdy might be up, might be down, but mentally, he is going to be prepared for this game. That being said, if you want to go to this game and see Tom Brady, the GOAT, play big cock Brock Purdy on Sunday at Levi's Stadium, you're going to want to use our promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS, at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Also, it's the holidays. Whatever you celebrate, Christmas, Hanukkah, it don't matter. Kwanzaa, it doesn't matter. If you're a Niner fan and you want to get yourself some Niners gear at a discount, use our Fanatics link down in the description. Save yourself some money. Get yourself some gear and support the show in the meantime, also follow us on social media. The Instagram is at 49ers.access. The Twitter, 49ers underscore access. If you want to know the actives, the inactives, what is going on with this Niners team, you're going to want to follow us on social media. My name is Sterling Bennett. This is the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, don't forget to leave a like. Share, subscribe, leave that review, and stay faithful. Rocking around Christmas.